Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the PCR studio. The Emperor has been expecting you. Where Geekishik and Pandemonium reign supreme. Come to the coach and get together and have a few laughs. Your hosts will discuss everything you need to know about the world of Geek. Oh yeah! So grab your staff, throw on your cape, and roll your 20-sided die. Because it's time for... Dungeon Crawlers Radio. You know, we spend so much time uh, reminiscing the uh, uh, yet another death of R2. Yes. We don't reminisce the loss of what it is, or even explain what it is that he's hitting. Yeah, what is he hitting? I don't know. You it's, don't know? It's, it's, it's a mystery every time. J.J. J. J. Abrams sets those box, uh, boxes up. Every week. And he says he puts something new in every single one of them. But it's a mystery! What was it this week? I don't know. Yeah, the best thing is... It's is, a mystery! I, I think that the, the most amazing <laughs> thing is, is we have J.J. Abrams doing that every week. Well, I mean, seriously, how did you hook that up? He owes me some favors. <laughs> some favors, know. huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was, it, why it, didn't it was, you get him to buy our shirts? Well, you know, it was either he sets up boxes once a week, or he just buys shirts. And honestly, I think it's because Flagoon has some really incriminating photos that he just doesn't want to have the light of day. Oh no, it's uh, it's I I actually know like you know the cast of episode seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, then you, you, he's trying to keep it under wraps. Yeah, he's he's trying to keep that a mystery, <laughs> the mystery <laughs> that is. Yes. But so he, hello and welcome yeah, to yet another know, exciting, mysterious adventure of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Mysterious. Well, I was going to say, what is not a mystery? What is not a mystery? What is not a mystery? Yes. That this is Dungeon Crawler's radio. And, and I have a beard. Yes, that's also, not a mystery at all. Also not a mystery. What's in my beard may be a mystery. However, I feel like I'm the minority in the beard club. <laughs> because everyone at the table has a beard except for me. That's yeah. right. Kind of like how I am the minority in the not a ginger club. Well, not anymore because it's 50-50 right now. Yeah. yeah kind of. No, yeah. Even Steven. I do have yeah. hair in my beard, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, as, as much as I would like, I will never be able to catch up to you guys. Ever. He's been growing that beard for 10 years now. <laughs> Pretty much. I'm sure if we dunked your head in some Rogaine, we might be able to get you something. Probably not. <laughs> Because then I just look like a Wookiee. (laughs) (laughs) Or he'll end up with the the shaggy beard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he'll start going. No, my brother has the shaggy beard, and he's skinny and lurpy, and yet he's shaggy. (laughs) Except for now he's shaggy balding. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Bad combo. Yes. All righty. I've seen that uh, episode. Yes. (laughs) That's a bad episode. So welcome, welcome, welcome. We are Dungeon Gars Radio. And we're not that important. And who are no, you? No, we are. I'm kidding. We are. Now, this is Revan. This is a guy named Joe. This is Great Mighty Powerful Lord Flagoon. 
I have a shorter title than he does, but I'm just Chris the intern. As you should. And and Chris the Firebird. intern itself is a little too long. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, oh, should I just go Chris intern? Is it shorter, better than? Or Chris int. Or, or int. intern Chris. Either way. Emphasize, <laughs> emphasize on the intern. <laughs> intern. And Firebird is not with us because she is traveling to EvoCon. Evilcon? Evilcon. Evil Which I don't know if that means we're going to get like a, an evil Firebird back, you know, kind of like the evil Phoenix. You know, come back dark Phoenix. Phoenix. Evil. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, dark Firebird. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, that'd be cool. That would be really interesting considering her last Gamer Girl segment, she was like walking her dog along a lake <laughs> talking about how to get ready for the summer months and clean out your computer and mm-hmm. everything oh, else. Okay. <laughs> and well, then we get dark Phoenix. Or Dark Fire. And, and, and then the next Gamer Girl segment is going to be like how to take over the world or yes. how to kill a something. How to enslave your boyfriend and get him away from the gamer table while I play. And he gets all of my food and drinks and beverages. And that's, makes me a sandwich. Yeah, that, that sounds too awesome to be evil. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Um... I don't want to know what's going on in your bedroom then. No, Never mind. Let's no, move on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All righty. So what do we have on store to, in store? So tonight? this evening uh, it was scheduled to have Blake Castleman and Brian Hills coming in to talk about uh, Devil's Triangle and Dragon's Gate and other stuff. They have not arrived yet. I'm wondering if they're tr- still trying to find epic puzzles and games because I don't know why. Um, I did confirm with them they're supposed to be here tonight. So we're going to we'll wing a few things here okay. and there. Uh, we still have ten minutes until we oh, yeah. really have to start True. the thing, yes. anyhow. Yeah, um, so, you know, they can arrive anytime. So I, I, I'm thinking right now would probably be the best time since we've all actually finally watched it. The new TMNT. You want to action. open that can I, of worms? I need to open that can. I am filled with anger because of that. Okay, so I, I am going to preface this. <laughs> this is just the opinions of those on Dungeon Crawlers Radio, and please. Go check it out to at least get your own opinion. The trailer. That doesn't mean you have to watch the movie. Yeah, I would not give any money to that okay. movie. So, uh, so I'll open it up. At all. So well, Let's go with the lighter side, the person that might actually watch it. So go for it. No, David. hold on. <laughs> We're not jumping in quite yet. So I just want to put it out there. Um, we have literally less than 20 days till uh, Fanix. Yeah. So we will be there. Not only will we be running around getting interviews, but they have now enslaved us to do panels. <laughs> oh, man, that sounds so awful. Oh, I know. No, we're doing, we're doing oh. panels for one of the largest conventions in Salt Lake. I know. That's why I, when I uh. said enslave, it wasn't like, oh, enslaved. Yeah. So, yes, they are enslaving us. Oh, so to that, do some that panels. Was, that was their terminology. So this not is ours. this is kind of no, like, kind of, it was kind of like okay. the the you know not to not to put a light term on the particular term, but this is kind of like the positive enslavement, like the video game Enslaved. Yes, it, where, this is positive where, enslavement. Where monkeys just kind of like, okay, I guess I'll just go along with your yeah. what you're dating. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a negative enslavement. We're not getting beat up. We're you know we're going in. Although I did hear, I did hear words they are going to be putting uh, collars on our necks that will explode if we leave the convention too soon. Oh, dude, like in the Running Man? Ooh. No, like in Enslaved. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they did that in Running Man. They too. They did yeah. that in Running Man too, but it's going to be more like the one in. Enslaved. I don't know. That oh, could okay. be cool. 
Well, I hmm. sure hope mine's not defective. <laughs> and it just kind of goes poosh. <laughs> or you might get the defective one where the, 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 the explosive is a dud and you just get to run away. Uh, and you inspire then us I'm with fine. Hope. Yeah, you're fine. You inspire All right. us with hope. We'll go with that <laughs> Until one. Until you have this giant pile of bodies that <laughs> yeah. behind him. <laughs> Until <laughs> the sniper takes in. Well, <laughs> good luck with you guys. See you yes. later. <laughs> All right, so let's jump into this. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles by Michael Bay. The trailer just finally came out. It's out there. Everyone can see it. Uh, um. Okay. Uh, such angst. Go so ahead. I, go I, ahead and voice. So voice well, I think we. I'm should, gonna, I think we should go with the person that might actually give a positive okay. side. All right. No, uh, we're Rev, going to go Revan, negative. No, person. Revan. Revan. Go. Try to try to bring bring some positive light. Yeah, here. Revan. We want to hear because we want because people to actually. You, know, you want you want to see the positiveness to it? I I don't because I I would know say, isn't. you know, it's a re it's a reimagination of the story, and you got to give at least give it a try. You know, there are, believe it or not, there are some people that actually like Michael Bay out there. Um, five guys does not count. <laughs> I'm sure there's more than five guys in a pizza. But uh, the, one, the only thing that really bugs me about it has been the turtle's face and the nose. Just the face, though. I don't, I don't get well, it. Well, the trailer doesn't really show you. How does it not really show you? It shows you one of them... Did you? They, they, they're freaking snowboarding on their back. That is true, but they're it's also moving. like towering over each other. Again, like towering. I'm not getting to see in detail because a lot of it's shadowed. Yes, they are snowboard. They're sliding down on their shells, but at the same time, it's moving so rapidly. You're not getting a really good solid. I note. don't. I don't. I think you're not watching. However, the same, the same video that no, I, I, I watched. There are a you, couple you things. You a great view of what these turtles look like. There's a couple of weird views because it looks ass. like one of them has like this weird bone type thing on it. Yeah, the front. Leo's got like some sort of bone armor. Yeah, yeah. But, like he's a Native American warrior. Yeah, from so way, I'm gonna way, way go. Back I'll going. go see it with an open mind. You know, I, Transformers. I went in thinking, eh, I don't know if I'm gonna like this, and I, I do like the Transformers series. I know that it's not. My next, you know, it's my generation different. one Transformers that I grew up loving, but the fact that Peter Cullen is the voice of Optimus Prime, I'm go- I'm cool. That's all I'm that, cool with that. that it took for you. That's all, you know. Shia like, being stupid in the movie didn't matter. Being stupid no. during ninety percent of the no, movie. No, I don't really being care. Ninety percent. See, what I movie. cared about yeah. is I got to see awesome <laughs> robots. Story point in the for about ro- ten minutes of the hour and a half movie. That's fine. I got to see robots battling, and actually. Barely. Trashing. You things. got to see robots battling so? in the background so? while you got to see Michael Bay do his usual thing is with the military. Not to knock the military, but make a movie about the military if you want to make a military movie. Not a movie about giant robot alien robots. It wasn't about them. It never was. It never was. The original series was. But we're talking about the Ninja Turtles anyway. Okay. Yeah. So back to the Ninja Turtles. So I'll, I'll see it and see how it Given goes. Given the 90% of the trailer was nothing but freaking showing that, look, we made we made Megan Fox look kind of like a person. April O'Neil. She's she, got she, yellow April, on. <laughs> she has a yellow jacket on. You like that, don't you, Internet? Don't you no. be? Don't you, nerds? No. And don't. Our new okay, version of I will admit that that does bug me because she's not a redhead. But again, see, again I'm still and I'm still willing to go see it and see what happens, what I, comes out of it. She, she her, doesn't have to be a redhead. It's just she has to have more 
more um, charisma than Megan Fox. Megan Fox has, yeah, she has good looks. She has a good body. But she does not but her, have... But her actual charisma not, score? Her charisma score is like maybe, I would say, a nine. And that's only because... Below average. It's only because she's of, of, her, of her looks. Other than that, as soon as she starts talking, as soon as she starts attempting to act, it is god-awful. And it is horrible to have to sit through. I was really annoyed by so much. By the fact that Shredder is not a Japanese guy. I don't care if they're going to do it as an alien in a human body thing, but he was still supposed to be a Japanese guy because he's supposed to instruct fear like a uh, you know fierce Japanese warrior, not as some rich white guy. That really irritated me. And then the turtles all tower, not not just a little bit. Yeah, they they're like tower tall over April O'Neil. I'm like, are you kidding me? They are not six. Plus, the face models are just all jacked up. Like Michelangelo looks like Sloth from the Goonies. Yeah, it kind of it kind of makes me feel like they're trying to make black versions of them without having them. Well, like the, the one, and, when, and, like at the end of that tra- trailer, yeah. when Michelangelo, it's okay. All I was like hearing in my head was "Baby Ruth." Yeah, <laughs> they're not even like one specific ethnic race either, so they shouldn't be like. They're, Turtles. formed after anybody just turtles yeah. and make them you know a little bit more like human but i will i will show i will talk about this and and we're this is going to probably finish this off because our wonderful guests have just arrived but in high in, in contrast another uh, trailer that just came out for a very very steeped pop culture geek movie which is x-men days of future past Holy crap! That had my jaw on the floor. Peter Dinklage, just just being there, being just doing what he does. Like he is an amazing actor. And just the the few lines that he had, you're like, oh, hell yeah! I am watching this movie. It's because they've scrapped X Men Three and said we're fixing that. Yeah. So they had to make it awesome. So, and uh, it looks like they're actually going to deliver, which I, I was kind of worried because of the whole, you know, this person wants to be in it, this person wants to be in it. And I was getting scared that they were going to do what they did in X-Men 3, which was introduce a thousand, introduce a thousand and one mutants and never give you a chance to truly appreciate their powers. Yeah. Well, and Kelsey Grammer in a bodysuit. Hey, I like Kelsey Grammer in a bodysuit. Well, I, the, the nice thing I like about this, third, the, this one is... You know, they're trying to go for realism because, you know, in the original storyline in the comics, it was Kitty Pride that went back in, in the past. Yeah. And there's no possible way for her to do that. Yeah. Because, th- as they explained the physics, to go back, you, have to, you can only go back in your own time stream. And she in the comic really book, she didn't. Back. Because if she went back in her time stream, because you actually go into your body, she would be like a, an infant. Yeah. If and that. so Wolverine going back, it makes sense Way him appearing at, at yeah. you know because what let's face it he was born in the 1800s yeah so, it so. Be, his timeline is a little long yeah, yeah. all right so, uh, so. high five internet for yes. days of future past so we're, we're we'll keep talking about all this geek stuff but yeah. we got Blake Castleman here and Brian Hells talking about Devil's Triangle Dragon Gate everything else they're doing because <laughs> it's been a while so the mic is live. Thanks for having us back. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for joining us. So, it's a little bit different since the last time you guys have been on the show. We used to do, you know, record it and then put it up. We're live. 
So if you say something, well, it's going out there. So just a fair warning. So, yeah. So if I say, for example, who? Yep. Everyone just heard you say poo. Everyone heard it. Yeah. My children would be very happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. much, much snickering will be so, had so, now. So do your kids like you know, when people say poo? And like any other kids, they probably snicker go, <laughs> have you played the card game poo? We haven't played the card game. Oh, my gosh. There is a I think fun. think kids would laugh too much. Oh, it is a great game. <laughs> to effectively play it. Yeah. So it's a card game. You're all monkeys flinging poo at each other. It is awesome. I mean, your kids will laugh the whole time. I mean, there's one specialty card called Not in the Face, where you... <laughs> you know, I don't know if we want to talk about poo right before we talk about our graphic novel. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, no, it, it's great. I mean, it, the card is awesome because on the, in the card's definition, you grab another person and you literally put them in front of you so that they get hit in the face, not you. Yeah. But, it, yeah. Does the poo come with the game? No, oh. you just have poo counters. So they're little beads. I guess if we have children, then you know there's a supply. Yeah. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> All children. You want to know what? So, we need the to... way we played it in my family was we actually used our my daughter's diapers. Oh my god. Yeah. It it did not smell very good afterwards. I totally need to get those cards laminated, and then we just get bring chocolate pudding to the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Totally upgrade that game. I don't know if I'd call it an upgrade. Other than okay. really, it'd be like really hard to like determine how much you know how much poo a person actually has on them, or at least has yeah. has a- acquired. That's true. Yeah, you okay. Well, let's, okay. let's talk about Devil's Triangle. All right, back to Devil's Triangle. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having us. yeah. <laughs> now that we've gone completely off track, so Devil's Triangle, you're. It, how far are you guys in? Because I know. It's, it's been a finished. while. Oh, it's finished it's completely. Finished. It's a six-issue finite series. Okay. So when, when you talked to us, I believe it was 2009? Yeah, it was a while ago. We had the first two issues. Yeah. We had the first two issues done. Okay. So um, as you can see, sometimes it takes a while to get an independent comic book. Yes, mm-hmm. it does take a while. Well, especially, I mean, you, you've hand-drawn this. Now, it's funny that you have that one on top. I know you're co- the person on the... On that cover. That's Sarah. Sarah Crowley. Yeah. yeah. That is. She's friends with my wife. Awesome. So yeah. uh, that's actually, yeah. So how do you know her? Well, I actually used to work with Sarah. Oh, okay. Yeah, at a call center. Like, wow. Uh, yeah, seven years ago or so. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute, I know that person. Yep. So that, yeah. Yeah, it's I, interesting. Uh, actually, I cast my stories with a lot of friends. And oh, okay. And, you know, every once in a while I'll hire some models, but... Uh, for the most part, I generally know, use people I know. Nice. You know, I'll write a story, and I'll, I'll go through my Facebook page and, and cast it. I, I sort of play casting director. Nice. You know, <laughs> my, ref, my reference material. Well, I mean, that makes it a little bit easier to draw, doesn't it? It does, yeah. yeah. He cast my daughter when she was five years old for the first issue. Okay. And um, she's in the fourth grade now. She's ten. She's in the fourth grade, and she had an assignment to bring something cool that's unique to them. And so she brought a copy of issue one. Hey, I'm in a comic so, book. <laughs> and seriously, she, be, she was suddenly the most popular kid in her class for that day because she was in a comic book. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, Blake here, the co-author, yeah. is uh, Herbert Bates, which is actually a real historical character. Nice. 
that uh, was actually uh, on board the Carol Deering before it disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. Now, now, where were you when I was a kid in elementary school? I was a very short, skinny redhead. I, I was picked on all the time. Yes, I know. I'm still redhead. But I was picked <laughs> on all the time. If I would have been in a comic book, my life would have been completely different. I haven't written any uh, comics about short, skinny redheads yet. Yes. But, uh, One day. I guess when I do, uh, all right. I better cast him a little older. Yes, that would probably <laughs> that, that would work for me. Diaries. Ooh. Hey. Dear Diary, I still have no soul. The end. <laughs> Adventures of a podcaster. Yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yes, it's been an adventure, that's for sure. That would be kind of boring to draw, though. It's just (laughs) sitting around a table talking to him. Unless he's sucked into all the comic books he's surrounded with. Or into the games. That's it. We we get sucked into the games around us, and we have to fight our way out. There we go. Oh, man, we'd be screwed if we got sucked into Pandemic. Oh, yes, we would. Everybody's dying and sick and horrible, and I can't wash my hands enough. Or, well... We might be okay if we got sucked into a zombie one. You'd just be shooting everyone. Oh, and Joe I would, and I would I run would like heck. I would be in heaven. Yeah, you'd be sitting back there blowing people up, and we'd be running. So anyway, Brian, anyway, about yeah. the comic. So, okay, back to, back to Devil's Triangle. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, now, you guys have finished. Now, is it still individual uh, issues, or do you have a, kind of a, a collection now? Yeah, so we've released issues five and six, mm-hmm. and we'll be releasing the uh, the full OGN, the original graphic novel, on okay. the 31st of March. Oh, wow, so, oh, so like very Tuesday. Slow, yeah. This it'll, is even be better available. that you're on today. Yeah, it'll be available on Kindle, Nook, iBookstore, and a plethora of other uh, online stores. So. Okay, everyone wow. go buy this. <laughs> I, no, it, seriously, the art is amazing. But, but also for anyone who has started the collection, mm-hmm. issues five and six, and one through four, obviously, are available, so you can still get them individually, both in ebook form and in hardcover. So, uh, you write, Blake. You write. You've written pretty much the story and the dialogue, and then Brian's done all well, the artwork, right? Yeah, Brian did all the artwork, and I just kind of stood over his shoulder and said, "Yes, I like." No, that. No, <laughs> actually, uh, Brian came up with the idea originally, okay. and I had shared some of my writing with him when I first got to know him. Um, thinking that you know my writing was brilliant and that he would magnify more than happily that. spend hours and hours uh, drawing for mm-hmm. my, my drawing for my scripts, but uh, Brian liked my writing enough that he asked me if he, if he, if I wanted to collaborate on this idea he had mm-hmm. for, for for Devil's Triangle. You were trying to finish Dragon's Gate at that time, correct? Yeah, I was busy finishing up the illustrations for Dragon's Gate, but I was always. All through high school and growing up, I was passionate about the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been some miniseries on TV and some, you know, books and movies in the 70s done on the Triangle, but nothing, you know, nothing epic. Yeah. You know, and so I, uh, I had this idea for a, a story about the Bermuda Triangle that took place in the early 80s. And, um, and so, yeah, I wanted to get, get, get cracking on it, you know. But, uh, yeah, I had De- Dragon's Gate to finish up, so I pulled Blake on board to help me get started earlier now have you finished dragon's gate or is that still okay so it is done all right so anyway uh what brian and i would do is we would sit down and we would kind of map out an outline for each issue Mm -hmm. and i think normally i would take the first draft and then i would i would send it to you and then you would you would rewrite the second draft of each script 
and then you would take it to your writers group, correct? Uh-huh. Yeah, we we actually on each issue we we went back about three or four times, I think, uh, for the most part. But then even once it was written, you know, then I would storyboard and and uh, get the layouts and you know do my my reference yeah. with people like Sarah <laughs> and uh, yeah and get all my reference together, do the final illustrations, and even then we would go back and rehash all the dialogue and because once you have the images on paper, you know, you realize that you're not um, you know the 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 words sometimes still don't, don't match up yeah. as well as as they could so so up until the eleventh hour we were always making changes and edits and, mm. and process nice now so are there any plans moving forward maybe a different series or a continuation of Devil's Triangle or is it done the story is done Devil's Triangle is done okay unless you have had any sudden brainstorm of well, it, it, you know, it really just depends on the reception. Okay. I mean, um, because we, you know, we're obviously passionate about other things too. I'm yeah. working on a spy novel right now. Oh, nice. Fully illustrated, uh, an epic kind of like Avatar esque sort of thing. That I actually wrote a children's book when I was uh, in middle school and won third place uh, out of the nation out of 150,000 entries with this little children's book. And uh, so now I'm rewriting it and, you know, Hopefully, I've learned a few things in the last 20 years yeah. that uh, can uh, make that a little bit cooler. <laughs> and uh, since we started working on Devil's Triangle, I've moved on, and I'm working in film right now. Yeah. Um, I've been able to, to have some films uh, produced based on scripts that I've wrote and, and been able to be a producer as well. And, and right now, I, I belong to a company called Rare Legend Films, and we're in post-production on a comedy we shot last year called Adopting Trouble. We just released the trailer earlier this, well, on Saturday. We released a trailer for it. And then um, I was also part of a group that did a fan film called Flight from Shadow, which is a, based on, on um, Robert Jordan's Will of Time series. Okay. And we have that film up on YouTube, and it's doing extremely well as far as how many views it's getting. And uh, late last year, a company that's uh, been able to do, start a licensing mm-hmm. agreement with the Robert Jordan estate uh, to, to, to create these coins from the book series, mm-hmm. um, they approached us about doing a promotional film. Oh, nice. And uh, so we shot that back in December, and it's in post-production now. It's supposed to be done next month. Nice. So, so that's, you know, Brian and I, would love to work together again, but but we're kind of moving separately, sort well, of. Not really moving separately, but we have a lot on our plate yeah. right now as so, far as our project. Now, did you guys find it difficult working together? Because I know that talking with some people, sometimes you know one person's image of how it should go, and the other person's kind of they butt heads a lot. So, did you guys find that you did that a lot, or did you kind of find some synergy where you work together really well? I, I mean, I think there were a couple of you know points where we disagreed on things and, um, you know, kind of went back and forth a little bit. But I think in the end, it was pretty easy to work together and, and uh, you know, you compromise and, um, yeah, it's, it's a give and take, but I actually enjoy collaborating. So I think the if we ever ran into any type of roadblock, it was when we tried to go ahead with the story without agreeing and like I would write something, and you would write back and say, "Well, that was horrible. Why did you do that?" You know, and and and, and I'd get my feelings hurt because <laughs> like because like you know, 
you know, you know the writer's mentality. I wrote it, therefore it's awesome. What are you talking about? That is my baby right there. You're saying it's crap? But it, it seemed like as long as we, as far as the, you know, plotting out what happens next, uh, we didn't seem to have those problems. It's, yeah. it's when we tried to go off and do our own thing and without without the other's approval that we ran into any. Yeah, for a lot of the outlining, we would we would actually just do it over the phone. We would just kind of bounce ideas off of each other and kind of work it out and weave it out. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of when we just kind of went off on our own and started doing our own thing that we hadn't really discussed or agreed on that, that the problems arose. But for the most part, we didn't, you know, it was just kind of little minor speed bumps. And, yeah. And uh, it was so long ago that it's even hard to remember <laughs> because this thing was written, you know, it was like all finished and written five years ago, and it took that long to just illustrate the dang thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So right. what is it like then to put together all the writing and illustrations independently versus having um, like a publisher assist you in that well for me it's 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 a lot of fun Mm -hmm. because other than each other we had no one to tell us no (laughs) but at the same time it's 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 been a little nerve-wracking getting it done and having people look at it or or approaching people in the industry to to perhaps get us interested Mm -hmm. Uh, get interested in in us as as artists um, because you know you create something and you think it's great, but at the same time there's always that little bit of doubt that says, uh, are other people going to think it's great? Yeah, <laughs> you know? and, and we we never had like a like an editor or an agent telling us, you know, you should you know kind of guiding us along because that's what a lot of comic book creators, that's what a lot of novels mm-hmm. have. Is, is that person they're working with to kind of mm-hmm. to kind of help guide them through the process of revisions and, and making sure that it's it's a story that's going to be uh, commercial and it's going to be successful. Yeah, actually, in 2011 we were approached. Um, I was hired by Arcana Studios out of LA to illustrate a series called Continuum, which is a four-issue uh, finite series, and it's now published as a graphic novel. It was published in 2011. Um, but uh, Sean O'Reilly, the editor-in-chief at Arcana, um, approached me, and he actually wanted to buy the rights to Dragon's Gate and Devil's Triangle. And at the time, I think we just had issues one through four out. We had still had five and six to finish up. Um, but uh, Sean, he, uh, he liked the series and liked, uh, liked the story and, and sent us a contract, and uh, the contract just uh, wasn't to our liking, so we, we didn't want to give up our baby for... Uh, without any promises on you know distribution or printing size and that that sort of thing, ah. so, so we kept it. We hang, hung on to it ourselves, and uh, yeah, hopefully the reception will be will be nice. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, we we would entertain the idea of continuing a a second story. It certainly ends uh, on on a note that we could continue the story mm-hmm. um, further. So we've also discussed the possibility of adapting it to a novel and writing that together. If 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 you're still interested, <laughs> a novel and a screenplay <laughs> and a video game and so uh, yeah. So, without giving away too much, would you guys say that you have like a favorite issue that was uh, one that you felt like you uh, had more? Um, I guess we uh, should talk about yeah. the plot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be vague about this comic book. Come buy it. <laughs> um, it takes place in the 1980s. 
uh, we we chose that time period because uh, for the horror genre, it's it's all about isolation, being yeah. cut off from the rest of the world, and having to to work through the situation you're thrown into. Uh, it's about a group of people that are part of a crew of a of a of a salvage trawler. They're basically looking for 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 sunken treasure, um, and there are ships that have sunk in the in that region. Yeah. Uh, who's who were supposed to have quite a bit of gold on board that were never was never recovered, mm-hmm. and I think there's people that still actively search um, for those uh, for those uh, potential treasure troves underneath the water, and uh, these these uh, the, this group of people are are first they have to deal with uh, pirates, who modern day pirates <laughs> who who attack the ship. And then uh, uh, a ghost ship, uh, the Carol Deering, which washed ashore after its crew mysteriously vanished in 1921, uh, shows up. And that's where all hell breaks loose, literally. Wow. Uh, and, okay. Uh, it's basically, from that point on, it's a fight for survival, uh, dealing with ghosts and zombies and some other fun stuff. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of the stories that have dealt with the Bermuda Triangle have, you know, pointed the finger at government conspiracy or weather anomalies or yeah. methane deposits, piracy, all that that sort of thing. And with Devil's Triangle, I wanted to take a different approach that really hasn't been done, and that is that the, the Devil's Triangle is the Devil's Triangle. <laughs> and so um, basically uh, the devil and his minions uh, cast out of heaven um, – you know, own the waters. And so those that venture into the Bermuda Triangle are basically free game for, you know, spirits wanting bodies of their own. Oh, okay. So are a lot of these uh, characters or a lot of these uh, um, different uh, groups of people that they're meeting that are in this triangle, are those actually based off of uh, uh, real-life missing events from the, the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah, some we have we have fictional characters and actual historical characters. So a lot of the the, the prologue in issue one, which is now you know chapter one in mm-hmm. in the graphic novel, um, chapter one, chapter two, some uh, some mention of it. The characters actually show up again at the near, near the end, but I won't give too much of that away. Um, yeah, they're actually based on the the crew of the Carol Deering, which was uh, a cargo schooner that uh, stopped in Barbados to get supplies, and they were supposed to end in Virginia, um, but the ship disappeared after it left Barbados, a crew of 35, and uh, it ran aground in uh, North Carolina, Cape Hatteras, and all on board were two cats. Wow. No sign of the crew, um, but there is a lot of, there was a lot of record keeping, uh, and so we know who the captain was, who the first mate was, um, Blake's character, Herbert Bates. <laughs> what, was his, uh, what was his job on the Deering? I think he was the mascot. <laughs> the, the, the bald mascot. <laughs> Whatever you say. He was the engineer. He was the ship's engineer. <laughs> oh, yeah, he was that, wasn't he? He was. <laughs> and there's actually a, a, a character, uh, McClellan. Yeah, first mate. The first yeah. mate, and he's actually... Well, his 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 body shows up uh, later on in the series, possessed by the spirit of one of the big bads. Nice. So, okay. So we, we 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 take this historical stuff and we mix it into the fictional story, and then in in chapter 
four, or the end of chapter three, chapter four, they have a bunch of ships and airplanes. Cyclops. Yeah, end of three. They, they, they mm-hmm. have a bunch of, they, they, they're Lightning inside of a boat, Cyclops, yeah. and then they go onto deck, and they find themselves surrounded by all these ships and planes. Which are actual. Dis- that are actual uh, uh, vessels that disappeared at different points in history nice. in the Bermuda Triangle. So that was fun bringing all that into the story as well. Way to give away the story, Blake. You know, like, so was it really fun? And, and everyone dies at the end. Yeah. Yeah. So was it really fun doing all the research for this? Because I, that's years and years and years of things you know, that's happened in that region that you could have picked and choose from. Yeah, so I, yeah, it, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a treasure trove for us yeah. to find all of these gems of history. Um, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people argue that, you know, no more ships disappear in the Bermuda Triangle than they, anywhere else in the mm-hmm. world. Um, you know, there's that place off the coast of Japan, I think, uh, the, dra- the dra- what is it, Dragon's Triangle or something, where they have, you know, Japan has its own sort of little, you mm-hmm. know, Bermuda Triangle there. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, the history is rich with these stories yeah. of actual planes and ships that have disappeared, and, and it was a joy to, to do some research into those and learn about the people that actually disappeared and manned these ships. Nice. Were there any really uh, cool stories that you didn't put into the, uh, into the Devil's Triangle that you kind of wished you could have had a chance to? You know, we hinted a lot with, uh, I, I guess, some of the more popular ones that people know about are uh, Flight 19, you know, the USS Cyclops. Cyclops was one of the bigger uh, ships that disappeared with, you know, what was it, 200 or so uh, sailors. And um, so, yeah, I, I would say my favorites that I, that I researched were, well, my favorite was actually the Carol Deering, which is why we used it. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the Cyclops, I think, was a close second. We do use the Cyclops quite a lot in uh, issue four, I believe. Wow. Don't give it away, Brian. <laughs> these are just trail- These are teasers. These are just wetting the appetite yeah. of the reader. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. The climax is uh, five and six. So. Yes. <laughs> Just don't talk about those ones. We won't talk about. That's what Amelia Earhart that. comes into play. <laughs> Have you read it? <laughs> I'm psychic. <laughs> and Shirley Temple. Yes. <laughs> she plays the devil. <laughs> oh. I can believe that. Yeah. <laughs> There just was no on, you know, on-site uh, research for this one. I'm assuming because you wouldn't have come back. Yeah, I, you know, I do make reference also to some uh, some Pearl Jam music. Oh, nice. Uh, we we use the term the faceless man. Yeah. Um, as one of our main villains. So. Okay. So research isn't all you know historical. <laughs> Get a play some music in the background. Yeah. Although it takes place in the 1980s, so yeah, we won't... Pearl Jam wasn't quite that big yet. Or they're probably still in, what, middle school or high, high school, school at that point? Yeah, they're probably in high school. Yeah. That, was, what, that was, what, late 80s or 91. 90s grunge rock or something 91. like that? 91. When their first album. And this story takes place in 1984. So. Yeah. So, 84? 84. 84. So, so they're probably just forming. They haven't graduated yet. <laughs> Man. Eddie Vedder was still going through puberty, so it wasn't the wasn't as as deep of a baritone as he is now. <laughs> it was more <laughs> me. I was eight. So that's crazy. I, I'm kind of curious. Then, how did you decide on what was going to be on the covers of each issue, of each individual issue? 
You know, sometimes I'm just showering and sort of an image will come to me. <laughs> For issue one, actually, I, I thought it was inspired. It's just a, it's a half-submerged skull underwater, sort of a, an emaciated yeah, skull. Yeah, nice. And, uh, and it superimposed over the skull is a map of the Bermuda Triangle. I didn't want to have to explain to, you know, the readers in issue one, you know, where the boundaries of the Bermuda Triangle and everything were. So okay. I was like, you know what, I'll just put it on the cover. And then I don't even have to go there. Yeah. Uh, exposition, I don't even need to uh, yeah. approach. So. Yeah, the cover does say well, quite, that, a, quite a bit without revealing anything. The, the name does as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the, on the new graphic novel edition, he's kind of expanded that idea. He has the map, again, a different type of map, again, showing the Devil's Triangle, but standing over the map is the kind of the shadowy figure of the face. Nice. Oh. Ooh. That is creepy. Spooky. Man. Yeah. Well, just looking at the cover, I've never really known exactly the pinpoints of the triangle, but that's actually a really, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's a really large area looking at that that map. I mean, that's a huge chunk off the coast. Yeah, Miami to San Juan to Bermuda. Yeah, I mean... So now I'm really curious. Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go boating through there. You do? I've got a few friends who've actually been, uh, who've actually done search and rescue in In that area. Yeah. A lot of cruise ships go through that area every day. So. I'm prior Coast Guard. I I think that's another reason we set our story in the early '80s is because the, I think the mid '80s is kind of, kind of where the the edge dropped off you know you didn't you don't really hear about many disappearances after the mid 80s and uh so we thought you know that that's sort of the climax of you know when these disappearances occurred and it's kind of the cutoff and so you know with our story you know it it sort of speaks to something happening in the mid 80s that actually stopped the disappearances Ah, that's just because they became better at covering it up So I'm kind of curious. So, is there going to be um, some? I'm. Is there going to be some sort of? Um, I guess I don't want to say promotional material going to be. Uh, is are is that going to be included with the, um, um, with the graphic novel version? Is there going to be like a map or something given away? There's extras. There's BC, or Brian Hill's portfolio. Yes. Showing his oh, nice. uh, his amazing artwork. Uh, there is. I'm seeing a few tattoo ideas. <laughs> <laughs> there is also yeah. There's a history of the the Carol A. Deering. There's a there's a character in the series named Riley Forrester who's kind of a know-it-all uh, ner- geek. <laughs> Back in the 80s when geek wasn't cool. Yeah. Obviously, but he knows everything about the the uh, Devil's Triangle and. He actually wrote a a treatise on the Devil's Triangle. He wrote about the Carol Deering, and so we created uh, kind of a sampling of pages from from Riley Forrester's treatise, and and that's uh, part of the graphic novel. And then we have kind of a background. We we gave the main characters all a background, yeah, and talked about you know what happened in their early years, what led them to be working on the on the on the uh on the trawler mm-hmm. at that time uh that information will be there and comment on that. that that was actually really helpful to us as writers too you know when we're kind of fleshing out 
story. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You, you, you hit the yeah, yeah, button. Okay, oh, now you're I'll, good. I'll stop touching the button. Back up, back <laughs> you're good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't touch the button. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, I mean, we're writing the story, and we decided to uh, do a history on the characters, and so we're, we're winding back the clock and you know talking about these characters, you know, ten years before our story takes place, and mm-hmm. and it was very helpful to construct these characters and give them, you know, make them feel real, and also they could reference things from their past. So those, uh, you know, readers that do read the extras in the back, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they get the I get full that. picture. That. Yeah, so that was very helpful. Like the main character, Gist, he comes in contact with a, with a ah, woman yeah. who has been captured by the pirates, and he suddenly becomes very protective of her. Why? Because in Gist's history, we wrote about... Uh, the fact that he had a friend uh, when he was a young teenager, middle school age, who had an abusive father, and this friend was killed. And so, it, it was it, it was fun to have that type of back history because we could take some of that and give it to the character and, and make him seem more three dimensional. Aha. Uh-huh. I see. Yeah, we also had a short that we produced for. Uh, Sunstone Magazine in Salt Lake, mm-hmm. uh, which is primarily an LDS readership, but yeah. uh, we did a, a little four-page mini-comic for the magazine called I Am Mayhan, mm-hmm. and uh, Mayhan is um, one of the big bads in Devil's Triangle, and so we, we sort of tie Devil's Triangle to biblical history and scriptural yeah. history uh, for our villain, so it was basically the story of our villain, um, ah, okay. an origin story for for one of the villains of Devil's Triangle. So that's one of the extras. I believe that one's in issue four at the at the back of issue four. And all of these extras we've actually included in the full graphic novel, uh, which comes out. So you're paying full price. You're getting so everything. Getting everything. Getting yep, the whole, getting the the whole character bios. I am Mayhan, and uh, as well as the portfolio. Yeah. So we are talking with uh, Brian C. Hale and Blake Klassman, the creator of the Devil's Triangle graphic book comic book series it just looks so awesome just call it the graphic awesomeness the, gra- <laughs> the graphic awesomeness that is the, de- the Devil's Triangle if you have any questions or if you've read what's been out and you just want to thank them for giving them nightmares for however long that it gave you nightmares for, give us a call at 626-226-1475. And as always, you can reach us at info at Dungeon College Radio. We're also located on that newfangled Twitter thing, at DCR underscore show. We're also on the Google A, the Google Plus, and uh, you can, uh, and when you're done listening, you can also download us on uh, I, iTunes, Stitcher. iTunes, Stitcher, and Blog Talk. And you can, probably, you can pick this up on Amazon, can't you? So, yeah, uh, for those of you, just go to our I'll, I'll just play a drop. Yeah. Like go, go to Amazon. Yeah, time to pay the bills. This next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com. Clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com. All right, that's it. Yeah, it was just like perfect. 
That was. Uh, although I think we should have explained to them that <laughs> yeah, we were playing be played. something because... He, I feel kind of... I'm all blushing. Why are you blushing? Because <laughs> now you are the, the Amazon voice? I guess. Yeah. Ryan and Blake were just kind of looking at us like, <laughs> what's going on? Dead air? <laughs> yeah, no. That was a moment of silence. Luckily we have a soundboard. We get to play stuff. Do you guys have a theme song? We do. We do. Okay. Well, we have a theme song, but <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get a new one soon, yeah. too. We'll see. More? Yes, more, more fun stuff. But, uh, wow. It, it, this okay. is this is great. I mean, if you haven't looked, uh, you guys got to look through. Yeah. I mean, it is all black and white. There's no color, but it doesn't need it. I mean, the shading and everything, you don't need it. You don't need those extras. It, the, the detail and just the facial expressions and the people on the, it's just great. Yeah, you know, we've talked about doing a color version, maybe mm-hmm. a version 2.0, you know, come come later years. Um, you know whether to, whether to hire a colorist or to do it myself. I, you know, I just um, you know it took me what six years to illustrate this series. <laughs> of course, we have you know ten other projects on our plate at any given time. But uh, yeah, I, I think to color this would be a, a huge undertaking, and it, it may happen in the future. We'd even discuss possibly doing a Kickstarter campaign yeah. for it. Um, but uh, yeah, the black and white. Um, you know, it's. I work in such detail, mm-hmm. and I take such care with the illustrations that, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was kind of just an artistic choice in the yeah. beginning, um, but uh, it, yeah, works. It, it may come in the future, okay. so stay tuned for that. Black and white hasn't hurt The Walking Dead, so. No, no it hasn't. Not at all. No, I mean, there's several. I mean, look at Frank or, Miller's uh, Frank, Sin City. Frank Miller, yeah. Yeah, or most of anything he does is, is in black and white with some color every now and then, so uh, it, it looks great. If you were to add a single color to to the book, what would it be? Magenta. <laughs> Chartreuse. I was hoping he was going to say aquamarine. Dandelion. <laughs> I, I like aquamarine. Seafoam. Yeah, there we go. Who knows? Yeah. Ma- Matrix has green. We could have aquamarine. Yep. Ma- Matrix has green. Frank Miller has red. Ours, aquamarine. We have hot pink. <laughs> hot pink. You have Joe sold. Yep. As you can tell. Oh, from I'm the microphone. on. Yeah. You could have done puce, too. Yep, puce. <laughs> I think maybe you could do the zombies and maybe a darker shade of gray. You know, just. <laughs> I like that. Nice. How about steel or silver? There's a, there's a color. How about but it is. <laughs> so. Um, I'm kind of curious, though, is, um, I, I'm reading part of your bio here. Um, Brian, it says here that you uh, you studied art at the uh, Academy of Art University in San Francisco. I'm kind of wondering is what sort of, uh, what sort of lessons did you learn there that you brought back here and then applied to Devil's Triangle and, and, and uh, other works like Dragon's Gate? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I did study in the, at the Academy. My mom uh, actually taught sculpture out there for oh. quite a few years, I think 10 or 12 years. And uh, so, yeah, I, I went a couple summers out there to the academy and, um, you know, I was taking classes like Introduction to Motion Pictures, where they basically give you a little 10 minute spiel about filmmaking and then put a camera on your shoulder and send you out into the city to make a short film nah. um, with a group of students. And you're out into the wild. Uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but I took, uh, yeah, comic book illustration classes, uh, illustration, sculpture, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you name it. Um, but really, I think most of my experience with, um, you know, art and learning how to draw and uh, tell stories was basically just um, practice, you know, at home. And 
Um, you know, my uh, all my high school teachers, my college teachers, my professors were uh, always very helpful. Um, you know, a lot of my uh, professors in college, I, I graduated from Utah State with a degree in illustration. Um, but, you know, they would present uh, an assignment for the class. And they'd say, this is the assignment, you know, go do the assignment. And I would approach my professor afterwards and I would say, you know, I'm working on this illustrated novel and um, I want to do these these big epic pictures for this novel and and uh, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I've already done and, and can I just do this instead of the assignment? Oh, <laughs> and my, my, professors, my professors every time would see the passion I had for it yeah. and, and they, they saw the planning that went into these illustrations and they said, yeah, go for it. You're going to be working harder than all my other you know, students on this project. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I studied a lot, but I, I just practiced a lot and did an yeah. internship in New York, and that, that was very informative as well. And uh, t- tell me you got an A in that class. I got a 4.0 in my major. Okay, good. Because yeah, oh, that, w- that would have been I did a little worse on my generals. <laughs> <laughs> General schmenrals. Those yeah. are just, you just, you you're just not going to use those in real life. <laughs> Finance, what's that? I'm going to be rich. <laughs> I could pay somebody to do that. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, Blake, it says uh, when you were, uh, you, you mentioned that you were starting to work in films. I'm sort of. Yeah, I started in 2009. So when I, when I started working on my first film, we had, we had probably been doing Devil's Triangle about a year at mm-hmm. that point. So then, what, uh, what sort of lessons did you pick up from doing, uh, from working on films that you applied to Devil's Triangle? Well, it's actually the other way around. Uh, working on on Devil's Triangle before I got involved with the filmmaking, mm-hmm. uh, it was really nice to have something. Where working with Brian, I I was introduced to that collaborative effort because that's all film is. Yeah. I mean, I've I've worked as a uh, primarily as a screenwriter and producer on my film projects. Um, but, you know, as far as what I write, as far as what I do as a producer, I'm completely dependent on the other people, the other producers, the director, of course, is, is, is the one who calls all the artistic shots, um, when a film's being made. Um, but you're, you're so dependent on, on everybody doing their job from, from the director to the actors, to the set designer, production design people, to the hair and makeup people, to the costume people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can write the script and you can put yourself in a, when, in a producer's position where you're, where, where you're uh, you know, making sure you have these locations, where you're making sure that the people who need to be paid are being paid. You're making sure that there's food. Um, you know, and, and, and those, have, those, those have been... Those have been part of my responsibilities as a producer, mm-hmm. but without getting the right people and and putting people that are competent and able to do their job, um, the film's not going to get made. Yeah. Or else you're going to be, or, or else you're going to, I mean, even even if you don't have a good wardrobe person, your your project's going to be hindered because you need someone to put the actors in the right clothing for the parts. Right. For, and, and so, uh, but another thing you have to remember when you go and work with film is that you might have a creative vision or idea of how things are going to look, mm-hmm. but when you're dealing with so many different creative people, when you're dealing with a director that's going to have his own vision, is, for me as the screenwriter, 
is the finished product going to look exactly how I saw it in my head? Yeah. Absolutely not. And that's how it was working with Brian is that, you know, when I would work on the scripts, I would have, I would see the panels in my head, I guess how they would look if I was the artist, but then Brian would do the panels and they, they wouldn't be the exact same, but I, but they were amazing. Yeah. And, and, and they helped me understand that, yeah, when you're collaborating with someone, the, the, the end result is not going to be exactly the, the creative vision that you had, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it doesn't have to be high quality. It doesn't mean it, it, it doesn't have to be something to be proud of. It doesn't mean it doesn't have to be something that, that, that is, is going to entertain people and, and, and bring tension, attention to your project. And film works the same way. Mm-hmm. And so you just have to kind of realize that with so many different people in film working with a, with an artist like Brian, you know, you can make compromises, but, but ultimately Brian's in charge. Mm-hmm. The, the comic books is, is an artistic medium. And so Brian, Brian made, made the main creative decisions on how each panel was going to look. And, and me as a writer, I, I, I just was in awe of what he did. Same way I've been in awe of, of, of the creative people I've worked with in film and the decisions that they've made and the creative vision that they've brought that's made the film so much better than if it was me trying to do it on my, on my own. And, and the fact that, that, that these, these projects get finished because of collaboration. Yeah. Yeah, I want to just speak to that for a second. <laughs> you know, we've all watched the, the credits roll, right, at yeah. the end of a movie. And sometimes, you know, you see like 3,000 names. And you're like, well, how does it take 3,000 people to, to create this film? Best boy. <laughs> what do you have to do to get that job? But, oh, uh, you know, these films that. actually get made and they get finished. And it doesn't take them six years sometimes <laughs> to get made. And so when it's just, uh, just two people collaborating, it does take a lot longer um, but, uh, you know, this Devil's Triangle is a little bit out of convention. You know, most comic uh, studios, they'll have, you know, the penciler, the colorist, the letterer, the writer. And, uh, you know, you'll have at least four people working on any given comic. And so with Devil's Triangle, we had to wear other hats. And, uh, yeah. you know, it took a lot longer. But uh, You wore all the hats, Brian. <laughs> but, it, but it's also a lot of fun. I You know, I actually enjoy wearing a lot of different hats. I like being a casting director. I like being a... You know, a director, a photographer, a storyboard artist, uh, you know, the finished illustrator, and uh, also the writer. I, you know, I, I actually enjoy storytelling above all. Yeah. Um, a lot of people look at my stuff and say, oh, you're, you just, you're an artist and you enjoy art. I actually enjoy storytelling, and art kind of gives me a venue to do that. And, uh, and so it's been fun, you know, just, uh, just doing that. I, you know, if we had a colorist, I, I wouldn't have complained, but... <laughs> <laughs> Let me... This almost looks like it would be easier to do as like a, a TV series, you know, over a movie. Because just the way you guys have, have done it, it sounds like it, it has the possibility of being prolonged for quite a while instead of just, oh, hey, let's do one movie and we're in. Or, or maybe a trilogy. But um, it's great story. I mean, I've read it a few times just from the few issues I have. I don't have five and six. I wish I did, but don't have them yet. Um but you guys did a great job. I mean, that's, the, that's kind of the hard part with comics because you, you can pick up at a lot of comics out there and, you know, you get a few issues in and you're like, oh, man, I'm bored already, you know, and especially when it's prolonged. I mean, 
I, I, I hate to say this because I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, but just look at Green Lantern. I, you know, there's sometimes where it's like month after month it's spot on, and then you go like four or five months for the next issue, and it's like, what the crap? And that's supposed to be a serial comic that's coming out every month. Uh, with as much space as you guys have got, it, you still have that hook that, okay, five's coming out, six is coming out. I still want it. So I mean, you've done a great job in that. <laughs> Appreciate that. You talk about the three acts uh, as we composed it in the writing. Huh? Three acts? Yeah. Okay. I mean, um, you know, my background is in screenplay writing. Yeah. I went to film school at the University of Utah, and my, my emphasis was on screenwriting. And so... Um, it was it was fun to kind of implement some structural elements of screenplay writing, mainly the three act structure, into the overarching story. Basically, we said, uh, you know, uh, issue one is act, issue one and two are act one, issue three, four, and five are act two, and issue uh, six is act three. And for me, that, that really helped me uh, look at the story as a whole and, and, and plot it out and, and kind of make sure that, okay, uh, issue one and two, here's the introduction to the characters, the conflict, uh, the, the, the call to action cycle, the, the rising action uh, quite a few times. Um, and, then, and then you have the all's lost moment that takes you into Act Three, which of course is the the resolution and conclusion. So it was it, mapping out the story, doing it by uh, the same structure as you do a screenplay. For me, made it a lot easier mm-hmm. and uh, allowed us to 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 really be able to focus on on where to put certain plot points into the stories so they fit where they needed to go. You know, it's like Chris Nolan said when he was doing uh, The Dark Knight Rises. He said it's it's helpful to to have an ending. Yeah. You know, because that you have that ending you can work towards. Yeah. So that's that that was helpful that this is a finite series mm-hmm. that it's not just going to go on forever. And so we could actually, you know, tie a nice bow around it at the end and send it out the door. Yeah, it sounds like the yeah. mo- the monomyth is pretty much on display almost. On this one, you I mean I don't want to it's cuz I mean that's not so much as formulaic, but it is but that is part of telling a story, is the, the, the call to action and, and the resolution and all that stuff, the whole thing going around and around. Well, and, and we, we got very archetypal with the characters. Yeah. We have, our, we have our, of course, we have our protagonist antagonist, but we also have our guardian character. We have our contagonist character who's, um, you know, he's, he's the Darth Vader type character, the Joker type character. He's not the antagonist. He, he plays... An antagonist role, but he's more the temptation yeah. side of it, um, and and we we you know we have our sidekick characters, we have our reason. we have our yeah reason, we have our love interest character, and so and so it was it was um, it made it a lot easier to write yeah when we were able to decide okay and and at the time I wasn't even thinking archetypal characters, but. You know, uh, I teach film and writing classes at Broadview University, mm-hmm. and so uh, part of what I've been teaching are about ar- archetypal characters. And it's interesting to go back and look at Devil's Triangle and go, "Oh, that's okay. Exactly this what is this had. character. This is." And 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 it wasn't that Brian and I were saying, "Okay, this needs to be this type of character. This needs to be this type of character." Yeah. But instead of 
creating these these two dimensional superficial character. We we gave them roles, and that's what archetypal characters are about. You mm-hmm. you give them roles, and then and then they they you know how, however you want to play with them, portraying those roles in the story is up to you as the writer. But we yeah. did give characters these these actual yeah. roles. Yeah, and positions so, that they have to fill. I absolutely, guess, like, yeah. The group. I see. So um, before we have to start uh, entering the lightning round and uh, get wrapped up here, I, I'm kind of curious. Then um, how how is uh, how is Devil's Triangle going to be distributed? Wait, I mean, because you're working independently. How I mean, wh- what is your distribution going to be like? Yeah. So so Devil's Triangle is just published through my own company, Hills okay. Art, um, which. You know, I've published uh, Dragon's Gate Volume 1. Um, I actually did a dance book, a dance <laughs> quote book. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Passion and Spirit. Uh, that's available on Amazon. Dragon's Gate's on Amazon. Um, Dragon's Gate is also available on Comixology. And uh, issues 1 and 2 of Devil's Triangle are currently available on Comixology, and they'll be releasing another issue each month until they release the full graphic novel. Um, and so by the end of the year, you'll be able to get all of the issues of Devil's Triangle on Comixology which I think right now is the biggest uh, e-book distributor for comic books yeah, online. Okay. It's, it's amazing. If you haven't seen Comixology.com, check it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they're available on Comixology on Amazon. And like I said, the e-books we've just released uh, in Jan- I think with January we released the e-book versions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can pick up uh, issues one through four, no, all six now, uh, of the e-books uh, on, like I said, Kindle, Nook, iBookstore, Access 360, uh, and about seven others. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they're pretty much everywhere. And so just, okay. just type in Devil's Triangle, it'll pull up, or uh, Brian Hales or Blake Castleman, and uh, you can grab a copy. No, it's great. It seems like you got it. all your bases covered on this. So, um, you know, Comixology, you can also I mean, you can download the app on your any smartphone yeah. and pick them up that way. So, iPad, yeah. It's everywhere at this point, it sounds like. And then uh, we're doing a release uh, party mm-hmm. online okay. through Facebook uh, starting March 31st through April 4th. That's right. We haven't promoted the Devil's Triangle page. On and we're doing a book bomb for the release on, on Monday the 31st. Okay. And so we're going to use our friends and acquaintances and other people who like us to have them post uh, information about the graphic novel, where to get it, um, a link to Amazon. Yeah. yeah. Probably the Amazon. Post a, a link to Amazon and all their Facebook pages and Comixology. And then, um, you know, hopefully uh, it'll get the attention of some people who may not know about it. Yeah. You know, one of the downfalls of Mm self-publishing is, um, you know, you have to market. And that's one thing that we really haven't done with Devil's Triangle because we're always so busy creating the next thing. And um, and so, yeah, like I say, we haven't done so much marketing. And so all those listeners out there, if you can jump on our Facebook page and like us, we would appreciate (laughs) it. Do it. Do it. uh, Because we're so busy drawing the next graphic novel. Like them. (laughs) Well, send us a reminder on Monday. About about that, and we'll throw it up on our Facebook page. Well, tell everyone, go here, like them, buy the book. So, where can people go to see more things that have been uh, released or created by either of you two? So, yeah, like we said, Amazon. Um, I've got uh, about ten or 
12 books, counting, uh, you know, ones I've il- just illustrated, but, you know, it didn't have any um, play in the writing. Or um, Arcana's Continuum is an awesome graphic novel. That one's available pretty much everywhere. Um, that one's actually been off- optioned for movie rights by New Line Cinema. Bender oh. Spink, the same people that did I Am Number 4 and The Butterfly Effect and I think The Hangover movies. I haven't seen those, but... Um, anyway, that was optioned, which gave it about a 10% chance into to being made into a movie. Um, but uh, yeah, Continuum, Dragon's Gate, Devil's Triangle, Passion and Spirit, and uh, there's more to come from me, but that's all I've got out there so far. <laughs> and I have a graphic novel coming out called Devil's Triangle. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if you've heard about it. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait. No, that, um, that's what we're supposed to be talking about. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I have uh, on on YouTube. I have a uh, the Will of Time fan film called Flight from Shadow. Uh, uh, that's uh, you go go check it out. I also have the brand new trailer also on on YouTube for uh, my feature film that I co-wrote and produced called Adopting Trouble. Uh, just look under Adopting Trouble official trailer and uh, like it if you like the trailer. Awesome. All you get, right. So you're going to do your last question you always ask? My last question? Are they going to be at any cons? I mean, that's you always ask that. And it has oh, that's, been, that's my question. Yeah, that's so are you guys going to be at any uh, conventions where uh, people can uh, meet you and get stuff signed or shake your hand? Or Well, I'm the, I'm the uh, program director for Salt Lake Comic Con. And so uh, next month, April 17th through the 19th, we have our fan experience show, lots of Walking Dead actors, uh, Star Trek Next Generation actors. Uh, we're going to be doing a reunion event with Star Trek The Next Generation, hosted by William Shatner. Yeah, I saw that today. Uh, we, are, uh, we just announced, uh, uh, what is his name? Carl Urban. Carl Urban, thank you. Yes, I Carl saw that Urban too. is coming. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to be involved in some panels, but I'll be also running around uh, like, Trying to trying to take care of some things. Uh, so if you see me at the show, stop me and introduce yourself. I'll be glad to to meet anyone. Uh, Salt Lake Comic Con is is going to be September fourth through the sixth, and Brian and I will be promoting Devil's Triangle there. Okay. All right. Yes, we will have a Devil's Triangle panel, um, but I'll also be at the fan experience here in a few weeks, and uh, I think I'm on, what, seven or eight panels, mostly dealing with artwork and illustration, storytelling. Nice. And so, yeah, you can catch us at the Salt Lake Comic Con, plural. Yeah. Comic yeah. Con. <laughs> no, it, it's growing, and it's pretty awesome. I mean... Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun yeah. to be part of it. I'll also be at San Diego Comic Con in July. Not that I'm doing anything. We have passes to go. I just can't figure out how to afford it <laughs> because we still have to pay our way yeah yeah so so uh yeah i'll be hanging out panels and nice. different things there so very nice well for all of you out there in uh internet land uh check this out comes out on the 31st through march 5th uh we'll have some more information on our website as well as on our facebook page but go buy all of them doesn't go back in time. It goes to April. <laughs> Did I say March? Yeah. April. See, this is what happens when I drink way too much uh, energy drinks. My brain doesn't work properly. Uh, so, yes. You should have just left it at, this is what happens when I drink too much. Yeah. You should have just left it at poo. <laughs> yes. See, that's what happened. We started this all off on poo. There. That, we, that's we've why. We've circle now. That is awesome. We're yeah. back to poo. So, yes, go but. 
buy your copies. You can do it individually or all collectively. And donate to the Blake and Brian Need Lots of Money Fund. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that doesn't sound as, as good as Brian and Blake Need Money to Eat. We'll go with that one. They need money to eat. I'm sure they eat. Yeah, they can always use more money to eat. <laughs> okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. We, uh, yes. we, we eat fine. It's our children that need to eat. Ah, yes. yes. There you go. And, and they need toys. Put clothing clothes. on the back of these needy children. Yes. <laughs> My children are all naked, please. Yes. <laughs> please buy them clothing. No, okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Brian so, Hales, Blake Castleman, everyone. Yes, we Devil's will. Triangle, get it. Get your copy. Thanks for Soon. having us. Yes, thank you. Yeah, thank you for being on with us, guys. All right, we're going to take a small break, uh, play a couple of songs to stretch our legs and say goodbye to these fine gentlemen, and we shall return. That's right. After the break, there's going to be Geek News and maybe some Gamer Forge? Uh, there are four Gamer Oh, Forges. we've got Gamer Forge. Oh, we got Gamer Forge. We'll be back. Hi, this is Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager and iCarly, and you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio.
Maybe something's going on in your life right now that you got to accept. Quit looking at the past and just move on.
three, two. Down at the mall is the one who's got it all. The answer to my prayers, just two doors down from Sears. I was surprised, cause they mostly hire guys. She's the girl, she's the girl at the video game. card. It's only $15 and it comes with a free magazine subscription. I totally want that. She was nice to me. She's my final fantasy. She's the girl. She's the girl at the video game. Welcome back. And we're back. Welcome All right. back. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Blake Castman, Brian Hills, uh, talking about Devil's Triangle and uh, Dragon's Gate. Uh, seriously, go pick this up. You will not regret it. Uh, great story, good art, and uh, good bunch of guys. Just, just so you guys know that Dragon's Gate is in the gate in somebody's walk, not as in the gate in somebody's yard. Yes. So when you're looking it up, don't go. Are you talking G- about Dragon's e. Dragon's Gate or Devil's Gate? I meant Dragon's Gate. If I said Devil's Gate, oh, you said yeah, you it's said Dragon's Gate. It's Dragon's Gate. Yeah, yeah so Dragon's Gate. Devil's Triangle and then Devil's Dragon's Triangle. Gate. Okay. Yep. Just okay. trying to help the audience be able to so, find it faster. That went a little bit longer than I anticipated, but that's okay. Uh, great interview. We have about 36 minutes left, so should we just skip 
the rest of Geek News? Because we got four uh, Gamer Forge items to hit up. Um, let's. Why don't we Dang, do one each? I found some awesome stuff. Well, I don't have any. Of I course, the any. one time I get okay. game, Geek News. Okay, well, so go so. for it, Flagoon. You guys can do one each. Pick the top one. Oh, and then we'll do that. I want to do. Oh. That's, oh, boy. Oh, Do Russian, oh that All right. Oh, wait so, a minute. I think I actually have one. Hold on. Uh, so. I do have a couple. I, so, go ahead. I, I, you know, as much as I have a, of a uh, PlayStation fanboy I am, Xbox does occasionally do some good things in the okay. world. One thing they're doing is that if you have a bad reputation, so if you're a person who you know, continually throws out racial epithets or starts squaring, or if you're one of these prepubescent teenage kids who tells me that they traveled back in time and had sex with my mom and they're actually my father. Isn't that uh, Futurama? Something like that. Yeah, the grandma paradox. <laughs> well, yeah. no, that, that, that's you going back in time and becoming your own grandpa, grandfather. And that's any better? I don't know. Okay, go but ahead. At least it's not, but at least you're not a you know squeaky, prepubescent teenage kid. Yeah, so but, most of the Halo so, players. So yeah. if a player gets, uh, gets uh, complaints or gets uh, banned too many times, they're actually going to start losing their privileges. Nice. Uh, Xbox One is reported uh, for distributive abusive behavior. Won't just see their reputation score fall. Uh, their users will also lose certain privileges. Microsoft is uh, redesigning the Xbox Live community-powered reputation system already on the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One with the intentions of both rewarding well-behaved players and punishing abusive players. <laughs> so thank you, Xbox. Honestly, you I think actually did something right for once. A long time coming. I mean, yeah. that's one of the biggest reasons I hate online games. It's because you get it on this game, and, and then a 13-year-old teabags you. Well, the other... <laughs> I, you know, I hate spawn killing. I mean, I, I hate that. But what I hate more than anything is you're sitting there trying to have fun, and you've got some 13-year-old kid that's just throwing out... Just the most horrible yeah. stuff. And one thing that it also does is it puts a black eye yeah. on 13-year-olds. Well, no, just, not just of 13-year-olds. I wish it was just 13-year-olds. No, it, but it's of the gaming public people, yeah. altogether. Because I have yeah. met some very awesome gamers. Oh, yeah, there are some. That are just so cool and so awesome. And they're just like, yes, yeah, just groovy as hell. But then, you know, when you talk about that with other people who are not privy to that, all they think about is the thirteen year old. The thirteen year old or the mm. the one guy that got put up that got slammed on uh on YouTube because he was just vomiting out the most disgusting sexist crap that anyone mm -hmm. has ever done. Yeah. You know. So thank you, Xbox. You actually did something right. Well, you know for once. And I know there there's several of us out there that have played games, you know, with our buddies that have heard that kind of language, but it's all in fun and in jest. But when you're playing on, on these servers and that, it's not in Wait. fun and jest. These guys, kids or even adults, I, I, I'm not yeah, just saying be, the 13 year olds. Let's be but, real. Yeah, let's there be real. It, adults it, who do it's, this. it's all across the gamut. It, is, it, it just takes the fun out of playing the game. Oh, yeah. Plain simple. And that's why I hate playing you know, online games. Plain yeah, and simple. I, I'm actually glad. Yeah that the uh, PC gaming community has become smaller for the online unless you're on MMOs. Yeah. We won't touch that. But like for the others, it's become smaller so you have that less often. That doesn't mean it doesn't ever happen, though. Oh, and there's it's also an building. Attack Wing Dungeons and Dragons... There's a Dungeons and Dragons things Attack Wing game coming out by uh, uh, WizKids Games. Dude, I said so one and you totally... We need to get it. Yes, we need to get this. So, uh, DC uh, it has announced that they are going to 
do a year-long push for the 75th anniversary of Batman. So you will see year-long stuff coming out for Batman throughout the year. Uh, it's going to... I hope it's decent. There's going to be variant covers. There's going to be a special logo. It's pretty much the bat symbol with a 75 in the corner on yeah. all the issues this, this year. Uh, Which means they're going to be worth a lot of money. You know, not only that, May, there's the kickoff of the, uh, uh, the Son of Batman animated film that's coming out which is going to be the kickoff of every animated film from DC now, is going to be in the same universe and all tied together. Ah. So it, before, it's kind of been separate stories. It's yeah. all now. Uh, not only that, with the new uh, Batman Arkham Knight that's coming out that everyone's excited about, they brought Kevin Conroy back into voice. Yay. So, wow, I wonder how much money they had to drive over to his house for that. To be honest, he's like, he's, he is the voice of Batman. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, um, it made Arkham Origin a little harder to play. I, I didn't mind because he's a younger one, but uh, it, the, the voice is close. It's not spot on, but... Uh, I said a little yeah. harder. Uh, DC is doing Batman right. Yeah. Let's, let's just put it that way. And everyone we kind of have to do Batman right else. because that's one of the only things that's keeping DC in money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, um, and not only that, there might be some things they're hinting at uh, other tie-ins that are going to be released, you might be able to pick up the you know the old Batman series on, on Blu-ray and DVD again. Uh, you will see Son of Batman and Assault on Arkham. So there's two car, uh, DVDs coming out. They're re-releasing the anniversary, the 25th anniversary edition of Tim Burton's Batman this fall. Uh, the list just keeps going on. You might even be able to buy your own cape and cowl. You may as well. I, no, they're, they're, yeah, they're, 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 throw, they're going to be throwing that out. So uh, just pay attention. So would you say that DC is going batty? They are. Oh! All right. <laughs> Let's yeah, jump on Joe's. Um, so uh, is anyone going to be going to Switzerland in October of 2016? Ooh, ooh, I'm not. You're not? Okay. I thought you were. No, he's going to visit well, his plot of land. Good, here's a good reason to be going there, because in 2016 they're going to be hold, hosting the first Cybathlon. That's right, an, an, an actual um, a, uh, an Olympics for cyborgs. Oh, awesome. So, uh, anyone, Crap, so, we need to go now. Yeah, so there's going to be... Uh, Let's see if we can get press passes. Hey, for those of you that are hosting this, Dungeon Crawlers Radio would like to do a play-by-play while there. Please play for our... You know, all you have to do is pay for our flight over there in our hotel. We'll do the rest for free. Oh, absolutely. You don't even have to pay us. I could totally see that. And thin laser. Anything <laughs> you could put me, you could you could put some bionics on me. I mean, and I will participate. You don't have to pay us; just pay for our flight. We will do the play-by-play in English, broadcasted back, or you, know, you could supply oh, this the is broadcasting. Like, this would probably stuff. be like poor people's bionics, and it's just going to be a person with really thick Dude, prescription I, glasses. I really don't care. <laughs> so they've uh, they've released some of the first uh, TJ Hammertron attacked. <laughs> Bob, Billy, smoke him. I don't know. That sounds too cool. Um, but they're going to be they're going to be featuring uh, effectively almost every uh, Olympic event. But it's for people who have like uh, prosthetic limbs or. And there's even going to be uh, one of the first things that they revealed was that there's going to be um, a biathlon race where people control avatars with their nice. brains. Cool. That's awesome. I do that anyway. How is that not freaking awesome? John's steam jack power arm into the javelin throw walks up to the line and he launches it 400 meters. Yes. <laughs> and That's pretty awesome, actually. He killed the ambassador. Dra- oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, <laughs> there's a ref out. Of- oh, that Ooh. ref got it. 
Ew. Um, we'll tr- cut to a break. Well, uh, the flag on the plane. <laughs> and the also ambulance the comes in to pr- take the ref off the uh, impalement. Yeah, yeah. the discus throw is going to become a whole lot more dangerous. Ooh, shot. They'll have shot to uh, change all of the airlines to fly around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all righty. Sounds too awesome. No, that dangerous. actually sounds pretty cool. Um, all right, so let's jump into the Gamer Forge. We've got four. Tank, 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 tank. Well, I'm going to start tank, at the tank, bottom tank, bomb, and move bomb, up bomb, bomb. just because they get longer and longer. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to start with Lucas Michaels. Can oh, you guys... Yes, wait. what? Uh? Isn't the Gamer Forge going to be brought, brought to you by something? Yes, go ahead. By audible.com. Go ahead. Sure. So when you're done listening to our podcast and you want to... Or our broadcast... And you uh, would like to listen to any of the uh, books, um, any of the books that we've uh, been talking about in episodes past? We'll log on to audiblepodcast.com/slash/dungeoncrawlersradio, or even easier, just go to the sidebar at the side of dungeoncrawlersradio.com and sign up for your free 30-day trial. That um, that free 30-day trial includes one free book of your choosing, and then a credit each month for. Uh, Possibly, a, I mean, more free stuff and discounts on any books you buy beyond that. And there's no commitment beyond the 30 days. So if you don't like it, well, then just don't do it anymore. And you, the book is yours for free yeah, that forever. Fir- that first book is yours uh, to stay on to get the extra credits. They do have different price ranges, but you know, 14.95 is it's the bare minimum to get one credit. The different prices give you different amounts of credit. Yeah, too. yeah. And you know, bare minimum 14.95. That is a deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I. I'm so listening words to of Hard Radiance. Magic yeah. because of that. Well, yeah. Words of Radiance. Or Hard Magic. $70 audiobook. Yep. You get it for one credit, Cha-ching. which is fourteen ninety five. I mean, that is a huge, huge discount. Yeah, yeah it is. So you'd be crazy not to do this. And, you know, at this point, I don't have enough time to read just because, you know, you have a lot work, I have life. But, you know, I listen to my audiobook on my drive to work because it's an hour and an hour back. I'm getting through pretty quickly. And the nice thing is, audiobooks are so well done now. I mean, I remember audiobooks back when I was a kid. They're boring. They were dry. They weren't entertaining. Now, I mean, you, you, not even including graphic audio, just normal audiobooks now. These guys that are reading are doing a great job, and they're, they're Most of the changing time, yeah. their voice. They're inflecting it different. So it sounds like each character is different. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to graphic audio on, on the, their audiobooks, and it's like... An entire movie. The only difference is you're not seeing us. You're not seeing it up on the screen. Oh, old I, radio show. Yeah, I mean, it's literally like an old radio show. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that's audiblepodcast.com forward slash Radio. And yes, let's ask Isaac's question. It is time for Lucas. for Lucas Michael's question. Can you guys explain to me why going into the Underdark is so scary for most players and gamers alike? Um, it's the Underdark. You should mention that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> why should why should he be? Well, because Sagoon oh, lives there. Gee, let's see here. Uh, given that everything down there is designed to kill you. Well, I mean, let, let's just face it. The two rules in a hor- in any horror movie is never go in the basement or go upstairs. You will die. Everything bad happens in the basement or underground. Or yes. split up. Don't split up. Yeah. So the Underdark... Everything there is bred and designed to eat you. There is nothing that will not, except for Snurf Levelin, and we don't count those. Yeah. 
Yeah. They just happen to be there. Well, even they would probably, like, if you just stumbled upon oh, a, kill a you. mining car, they'd kill you. Yeah, they'll summon an Earth, they, an they, earth Golem. They, and wouldn't, they wouldn't think about it. They'd be, okay, well, yeah, we've got to survive. You're yeah, dumb. You're roadside pizza. <laughs> I mean, you get squished. Um, no, but, on top of that, you know, you are, you're in... You're in a cave. You are underground. There is no sources of natural light. Yeah. You will not be able to see. You will become very lost, disoriented, uh, claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. There yeah. are other various uh, implications that can happen to a person. The, the, you know, in just sheer physics, the pressure is different. Oh, it is. Now, this is a great example. Hypothermia. Have, have you ever in. gone into... A cave, or gone on a tour in a cave. Oh, absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a cave tour here up at Timpanogos where they take you to the middle of this cave. They close the door and shut off the lights. And they show you just Just how to dark see it how is. dark it is. It is pitch black. You can put your hand touching your nose and you still can't see it. Now imagine that, because, I mean, they do that for, you know, two, three minutes and they turn everything back on. Imagine that permanently. You are going to freak out, let alone not be able to go anywhere. And if you run, if any GM or DM runs their game right, that's how it should be. Unless you have a source of light, it is pitch black. And, and if you, you have a source of light, that is basically a eat at eat at <laughs> eat at Joe's. Joe's eat at Joe's, a, or I'm trying a, to think yeah, of a, a, a neon sign. Eat at eat at 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 Holthgar's. No, this is much better. It's a bat symbol. Face it, it is the bat symbol. No, because the bat Come symbol would imply that uh, Batman is coming and Batman doesn't lose. Exactly, and so, neither does anything in the Underdark. But, but you, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, you, okay, you, you have good logic there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got Basilisk, you've got, you know, Shadow Dragons, you've got uh, Mind Flares, for crying oh, out loud. No one pitch. likes those. you got uh, Drow. Uh, everything is there to kill you, plain yeah. and simple. And kill each other. So and kill each yeah, other. It, I mean, that really is um, sort of... Uh, They'll probably kill you just while they're killing each other. That, yeah. I mean, that really is a, a good uh, ecosystem to display um, survival of the fittest. It is. Natural selection, because... And it's they, all, everything's Ilithid, evil. Almost yeah. everything's evil. Yeah, Illithids did not become that powerful because they were not ready for it. Yeah. No, they were, they were bred through the fires yeah. of... The Underdark. Oh, the Underdark. Yeah. If that, there's and if your thing. players don't have fear of the Underdark, something's wrong. Yeah, take them down there. Then they'll have yeah. fear. Or they just don't have fear, period. Which is probably a good... The only, the only race that I know that should not fear going to the Underdark is a Kender. Let's just face it. They have no fear. But even a Kender probably would fear... The Underdark, but okay. No, he would just, you know, stupidly go down there and then yeah. just end up dying. Yeah. Or he'd be... Or just have a really go, hard you know, time. Yeah. I don't fear it, but I'm not stupid. Yeah. I'm not going down there. <laughs> you know, I was once told a story that nothing comes out of the Underdark alive. So, as much as I'm interested in there, I still want to live. Thank you. Have a yeah. nice day. <laughs> All right. I, I think we got this one. Every so, reason. Mike Runsford. Ransford, excuse me, writes in, can druids be neutral good or neutral evil? I'm playing the pathfinder, uh, playing Pathfinder, and it says they can be any neutral, but I'm confused as to whether that means lawful neutral, true ne- or neutral, or chaotic neutral, or if that also includes neutral good and neutral evil. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah why not? Why not? Any neutral. Any yeah. neutral means any now, neutral. Now, just because you're neutral, evil doesn't mean you go around slaying things, but you're more and on laughing. Yeah, I mean, you're more <laughs> on you're, you're doing evil things to bring thing to bring good back into balance. Yes. 
So, so I, this is how I would see it. You would kill someone you would that, that was a, a poacher. You know, if a guy's going around poaching someone, instead of you know, slapping him on the hand and say, don't do this anymore, yeah. you would kill him. You'd, yeah. Yeah. And that would be okay with your moral yeah, code. Yeah, and then to make sure that it doesn't happen again, you'll kill their family to make sure that the kids don't do it. I, I would qualify. That would that yeah. would definitely probably go oh, a little bit further. I think that would be hanging them evil. on a tree. Well, no, see, because I would qualify that as evil, but justifiably so, because you're bringing the you're bringing things back into balance. Because if their kids, if the kids were being allowed to do it, you know, yes, it is sort of taking taking logic a step mm-hmm. farther, but being evil, but, but you would want you would logically take that step further. Yeah, that would be taking this, it further. This poacher's family is obviously a threat to uh, to the natural balance, so they need to be you, taken out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, or maybe your character keeps an eye on them, and if yeah. one of them, if you see one of the kids do something to the father, that then you take the family out. Because... Either way. I know. There, I mean, there's a couple options, but that would justify that. Yeah. True neutral is always one of those really hard ones that I have problems with almost as much as neutral good because I mean that is such a really hard fine line to walk. To me people think neutral. it means apathetic. But yeah. that's not what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. Not, yeah. It's it's uh, it's making sure that things stay in balance. Yeah, I mean you have to you know, for every evil action that you do, you have to kind of balance it out with a good action. Yeah, or or just make sure that what you're doing is not going to tip the scales of good or evil Too much, what, yeah. Yeah, one way or another. So I mean, it, it, it is a so huge balance. So if somebody, you go play somebody at the same time, then you're good. Yeah, it, it's something <laughs> along those lines. Yeah. Possibly. It, it, that's, it's a, it, that's probably the biggest balancing act. Because you know, at least with the paladin, it's a lawful good character. You're so heavy on the lawful good. I will kill evil. Yeah. yeah. Because evil does not deserve to live yeah, within the I mean, evil is bad. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I think we've got that one. Any, any other on this one, on the druid? Yeah, because I, I mean, that really is just a clarification of what is yeah. chaotic or what is neutral good, what is neutral yeah, evil. Neutral evil and what you can do as that druid character. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody likes playing chaotic neutral. Yeah. I can do anything because I'm crazy. Crazy happy. Chaotic neutral does not mean crazy. Chaotic neutral is more akin to lazy. Well, even chaotic evil doesn't mean you're crazy. No, it doesn't. No, it just means... There's you, no code of ethics there is to no, guide yeah, your evil. Exactly, yeah. You just do anything you want. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to rescue the princess when I could just... Kill the princess kidnap, and take her kidnap money. Kidnap her from the people who have her now and then hold her for her higher ransom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And possibly and, even kidnap you know, her and sell them yeah. for bounty. Yeah, take the money and kill her instead. <laughs> kill her anyway. And then when the king shows up with the bounty, I kill him and I take over the kingdom. I don't think a king would actually show up with the bounty. Personally. He'd, he'd send somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Or you show up with the princess, he congratulates you, then you kill him and take the kingdom. Yeah, then you jank him. Yeah, probably. All right, so uh, Ben Ratto. Assassin Blade, the king. Yeah. yeah, I did. Okay. What's up? So Ben Ratto writes in, do all spells require an attack roll? I know if, if I cast a touch spell like Chill Touch, I have to roll a d20 to see if I hit against their touch uh, AC, and I can potentially crit. What if it's a spell like Entangled that has a range, uh, range of long, though? Or any spell uh, like that... For that matter, I do. Do I need to make an attack roll to see if I hit? If so, are there any modifiers? And what AC would I be trying to hit? Their touch. What about area, ray, bur- or burst spells like Burning Hands? I know creatures can make saves against certain spells, but I'm confused about when to roll the d20 to see if the spell works. Wait. 
Okay, so he's like asking when it's appropriate to roll. Yeah, he's just asking, do all spells require an attack roll? Not necessarily. No. Usually no. AOEs um, are considered, like, once you step into into the area yeah. of effect, you're usually making uh, saving throws Yes. versus, uh, versus a target Yeah, number. because it's, the spell is going to happen. Yeah, it's, it's still active whether or not you are in there. Yeah, I, it, I think it only really comes down to when it's a touch spell because you're actually having to touch One your target. target. Uh, whereas an area, no, it's happening in that area. Whatever's in yeah. that is going to be affected. Now you have the chance of doing a reflex save to jump out of it or not, in, in case of entanglement, not be tangled up in... Yeah. Wouldn't range spells also do it? You know, like yeah. fireball. Like a fireball, control. lightning. Yeah, uh, but again, you'd also have to roll for those. Yeah, again, you're yeah. going to have a will save or some sort of save to see if you don't take as much damage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think it, things like uh, touch like, spells. Yeah, ray of frost, um, enervation. Mm-hmm. Um, what is that? Bur- uh, even bur- I think burning hands is still just a reflex save. It's not a touch attack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything that has a um, a range or a target mm-hmm. beyond one. Yeah. Is pretty. Is a, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. Yeah, it, it's, just, it's a will save yeah, or, or some sort of save. Throw. Yeah. So. Well, jeez, where does Brandon do these? Yeah, that was. I mean, the, the question was like worded all kind of yeah, crazy. Yeah, it was. So over, overly long. I'm but. saving the best for last because I swear someone from Lagoon's family wrote this if he didn't himself. <laughs> but I know no, he did. I'm, I'm the only one in my family who thinks the way I okay. do. So Jason Halsey written. I know. Uh, I've read somewhere in the player's book where it states that you have to physically touch someone in order to heal them. Much like a paladin's ability to, of lay of hands, you have to touch the person in which you are healing. So this is where this is causing a problem for me because I am currently playing a priest in my gaming group and all is going well with the one single exception is that my character has an extreme phobia of touching other people. <laughs> when I first designed the character, it was under the impression that most of the campaign would play out in a city, and I thought that this crazy quirk in my character would be fun to play. Now things have happened, and our group is no longer in the city. Everyone is getting a bit upset that I am keeping to my character's phobia, saying that, and they're saying I would have gotten over this by now, which I don't believe he would have, because it's such an extreme phobia. Yeah, if it's a phobia. So my, no. Yeah, so my question is, so that I can be more, or my question is, so that I can be more useful to the group, healing-wise, can I cast healing spells without touching someone? Hmm. That is a good question. I, I first have to say, congrats on making such a unique character. Yes. Because priests, I mean, again, this is from my memory, you can only heal as long as, uh, as, long as, long as you're actually as putting you hands are on them. Touching someone. And that's always been the concept of healing. You have to touch them. There are some spells that, that might be otherwise, but I've always how I've always played it as a DM is you have to be touching them. Just like, you know, when you're applying first aid to someone, you can't be, you know, throwing bandages at them and it automatically wraps around and ties up. Yeah. You have to be working on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just throw it at them. Hey, what do you think? take care of it yourself. Uh, well, there, well, one, yes, you do have to touch them. Because okay. it does require a touch attack. Okay. Usually, when you're when you're healing somebody, it's considered just automatic. Because I mean, why would you not want to get healed? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just it's one of those things where a DM is just sort of presumed to hand wave it and yes. just be like, okay, it happens. Um, however, there is a way around that. Okay. Uh, there is a feat you can find. I believe it's either in the um, 
the Dungeons and Dragons, either Tome and Blood or um, what is it? Tome and Blood or Defenders of the Faith, mm-hmm. where a cleric can actually get a familiar and have the familiar deliver touch attacks for you. Okay. Ooh. All so right. So there is. It's. I mean, There's yes. A sort of workaround for this guy. Yeah, there is. There is. There is a workaround within the rules mm-hmm. that let you do that. That can let you do this. However, you I mean, there is something to be said though about creating a character with with the um, with the sort with this phobia, mm-hmm. and it is phobia. Like I mean, he said several times. Um, so th- this should be something that either you're going to actively work towards getting over. Or you're just never going to get over it. Mm-hmm. And so this sort of leaves the rest of the group in a position where they're going to have to start thinking beyond the standard rules yeah. of healer and leader and DPS and, and, and so on and tank and yeah. so on and so forth. You have to think beyond that and say, okay, effectively we don't have something so we have to be. We have to think be uh, differently. Yeah. Yeah. We have to think about how we can optimize what we do. Mitigate damage. Don't just heal damage. Mm-hmm. Mitigate it. Yeah. You know, or think. Okay, how do we get preemptive strikes so we get hit less? You know, or or get the first strike and try to end it before it gets yeah. out of hand. So I mean, that would be the two ways I would solve that problem. I would make the group think beyond the box, or the. Um, or the this this priest cleric whatever it is can try to take on a familiar yeah. and and just sort of make it work. I was thinking really thick gloves. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, yeah, I mean he's like four pairs. Yeah, I mean there's going to be have to, uh, a couple of things that are going to have to to like, come out of this. But the fact that he is sticking to his guns and saying no, my character still has his phobia. Good on him. That that's great. Yeah, I think you that know, makes him a better player. It does. And you know, it's a good opportunity to make he, everyone else a better player. Yeah, is he going to overcome his phobia because they left the city? No, I mean it's it's going to be a long time worse. coming. So this is this is kind of like the character I'm kind of seeing in my head, Monk yeah. from the yeah. titular oh, yeah. Yeah. show. He's you know he's terrified of touching people, but occasionally like it, when push comes to shove, when things get as bad as they have to be, you know he'll still do. What needs to be done to, you know, be able to survive? Yeah, so, and then he freaks so, out. And yeah, then he freaks yeah. out later on. So this so is how I you see. Could, you could, you could, you know, if you role play this and role play it well, this oh, is going to be a fun. really, really fun. Oh, it could be group. Like you could have like, you know, you could do like will checks. Be like, oh, I, I know I need to. So you need to do a will, will check. And you've got to pass the will check and like, you know. You know, you start off and you have like a, a huge negative to it, so that he doesn't really do it a lot. And yeah. Everybody's getting kind of annoyed, but he, you know, he kind of starts growing, but he still doesn't like it. So when he gets done doing it, like he's got to like do something. He's got to go cleanse. Like he's got to like summon water and wash for hours. Unclean. Well, this is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you just. Like, I think Monk's a perfect example because yeah. you know he's like, I don't want to do, but. Uh, you know, and kind of have that hesitation where that will save comes in. You know, he, he's got to roll and no, 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 I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And then like, come on, you got to do. It. He's going to die. Okay. You know, roll it again. You know, maybe get the plus one to that roll or something like that. And, yeah. Uh, no, I can't do it. You know, and then finally <laughs> he gets to the point where he makes that save and he he does it. But then he's got to go. 
holy water. You know, yeah, he, you he, he's risen, lathering, and repeating. You know, did you guys just not get hit anymore? Yeah, I know you're a thief, but you can wear plate, right? Yeah, you know, and really play it up. I, I think, and this is a really good opportunity for role playing. Yeah, you know, because that that conflict where he's like, no, I don't want to. You know, that that's great, and to reward him. You know, as a yeah. DM, reward this guy for playing yeah, this character him, yeah, that way. Yeah, give him little, little bits of bonus experience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because the Dungeon Master should also be leading in it or you by could, example. Or you can get a uh, a wand of healing, and instead of touching them to heal, you poke them with the stick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's another option. You don't want to touch him, get the stick. Heal. I just sanitized it today. <laughs> yeah, I have to wash it 20 more times. It only does two points of healing, but I'll do it eventually. <laughs> you know, that might be an option. You know, maybe he's got to get some sort of magic implement as well. Yeah. But those are going to run out of charges. I mean, that is one thing I can say that I do like about 3rd edition compared to 2nd is the magic items run out. Yeah, you know, a finite amount. AD&D... There wasn't that. It just kept going and going. Magic lasts forever. Yeah. So I do like. Magic. Why yeah. Did it run out? I like because that. Magic. Yeah. So it's you know, magic. he can only do that so many times. Sorry, guys. I'm not He's sorry. at full hit points, but um, it's broken. You know, I got to go get it charged again. I got to go find the next recharge station. Beep. Um, you know. I got to go plug this thing in. You guys don't get hurt. Yeah. I mean, nobody die while so that's gone. another option. But really, if he plays it, you know, again, like Monk reward him because this guy has an extreme phobia and you need to play that out you can't just say oh we're out of the city you're cured because yeah. it's going to get worse yeah i mean everything is dirty you know uh you know r.a salvatore he has a dwarven cleric you know that is super cleanly he is wearing white robes and he hates when dirt gets on it i love how that is played out it's not used, and he freaks out when he gets blood on his clothes or dirt on his clothes. That's how it should be. Yeah. You know, these flaws are there to make your characters more rich and entertaining. Let him play it up. Yeah, yeah. Achieve maximum entertainment value. I will say, however, on the other side, the other side of that spectrum, though, try, you know, try to note when you think you're taking things a little too far. Yes. Because if you are, yeah. if you're doing it just to grief. Mm-hmm. The uh, the rest of the group because you know you like getting a rise out of them then you're probably then you're doing it you're, yeah you're doing it for the wrong reason you're doing it wrong but yeah, you know there, like, there is a time when yeah. you do it wrong yeah that would be it well I I think just with, watch all of Monk and I think you'll get the idea well yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> even with Monk every time you succeed that DC comes down a little bit just because a little bit. you are slowly getting okay with it now. He may always have a DC that he has to roll again. Yeah. But, you know, maybe in the beginning it's a 40, which you're never hitting. Um, you know, or maybe we're, we'll say it's a 20, so yeah. that, you know, you have to roll a natural 20 to do it. And then, you know, if, if your character still wants to keep this, yeah. uh, this trait to him, yeah. you, could, you could do that. But maybe that, he gets down that, to that a thing. He gets down to a particular thing, and then you have him go through, like, this horrible, bloody battle, and it sets him all the way back to revert, and it's like another negative 10. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's going to be balance balances to that you know maybe he gets down to that four you, there's a bloody battle he freaks out now maybe it's an it's a 14 again mm-hmm. you know? or oh crap we gotta go do a uh tromp through the sewer yeah and he just he is just yeah not, will not do it yeah he is he is scoot like like scooting on the sides not hey, touching it, the water it, yeah it says that he has a phobia of touching people it doesn't mean that he has a phobia of diseases 
guys. Yeah. So okay. Because yeah, So he could actually walk right. through okay. the sewers so, like no. Oh, you have to you have to run through a crowd to save the princess. There we go. There you go. There we go. Crowded street run. Now. Oh. You guys now are thinking a, far too much monks. Sorry. Now way, it's a minus sorry. 35. <laughs> yeah, now it's a minus 35. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, there's probably going to be a situation or two where it's just going to be like, you know what, I'll give you a chance, but it's that slim. Yeah. It's Okay. Today's Gamer Forge was brought to you by Monk. Please go to <laughs> by Amazon. USA. <laughs> yes. And buy your Monk today. All eight a, a season. Hmm, maybe Tony Shalhoub should come on the show now. Yeah, there you go. All right. I would love it if Tony Shalhoub was on the show. Okay, we I got want to talk about airplane. Yeah, not airplane, but uh, wings. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got about four minutes no, left. No, actually, just talk about Sorry. airplane. Let's wrap this up. So, uh, if, if that right? hasn't helped you, no. you know, uh, <laughs> it's a good movie, right? right? But I think we've got that one covered for yeah, you. Pretty solid. Yeah. We got that. So uh, thank check out. you all very much yes. for sending in your uh, questions and your hopes and your concerns for for Grammar Forge. If you have any questions that uh, are pertaining to your D and D game or your role playing game or just games in general, please feel free to send them to info at dentalcrawlersradio dot com, and we, the Gamer Forgers, will Deliver. hammer this at, hammer it out for you. Hey, we play other games besides D and D. So, you know, if you do have a question, like you're playing Munchkins, and you're like, dude, what's that card about? We'll be like, yo, we got your back. I could say something about Munchkins, but I'm not going to say it. I'm just <laughs> using that as an example, because yeah, it was it the is. first thing that came to my head. All right. Uh, tune in next week. We will have Dan Farr, the mastermind behind Solid Comic Con, as well as Solid Comic Con Fan X. He'll be on the show talking about that stuff. And then, uh, we, after that, we have two weeks uh, the Van X. Uh, we will not be doing a show that Thursday because Weird. we will actually be doing a show live from Van X on their equipment. Sometime that weekend. Sometime that weekend. So we won't do our traditional unless they've somehow finagled it for that day. So just stay tuned. We'll let you know on that. But we will have you know, we'll three other great uh, shows. You know, we have, uh, we'll have an author on the next week. I, I, I apologize. Not mind is the name of the month. Of that author has slipped my mind at the moment, but the last uh, Thursday of the month we have uh, the, the writer, creator, producer of an upcoming indie movie coming on called The Ninety Fivers. It's a science fiction movie, so we'll be talking to them uh, about that. So, and not only that, all the amazing interviews that we're going to be picking up from Fanex, we, you know, we're going to be, we, we've got we're going to do good, a better this time. Uh, camera equipment. It's all digital. We're going to be posting these like. Fast. You're not going to be waiting weeks. You will be probably seeing them that night, if not that weekend, yeah. flying out. So, uh, your hours. It'll be like you went to Fanex yourself. Yes. We'll, uh, with, without the conflu. Yes. <laughs> the uh, cave server is, it has been upgraded, so, nice. and we'll be getting more stuff on there as soon as possible. All right, so we will catch you next week. All righty. Well, uh, before we go, special thanks to MB Design Studio for t- taking care of our logo. So if you need any uh, design... Design work done for your new banner or corporate logo or a t-shirt, just contact Nate at NB Design Studios. You can find him on Facebook at nbdesignstudios.com. Um, and uh, talk to Nate. He will follow through with you, and he'll take care of all of your logo needs. Then, as always, we're always broadcasting live from Epic Puzzles and Games of West Valley. Wow, Check yeah. us out here, and check out their amazing stock. If they don't have it here, they will actually order just, it for you I just at a discount. Up, uh, I just picked up Red Dragon in number four. Yeah. Yes. Yay! Life is good. Because you can never have enough Red Dragon. Yes. Nope, there's not enough of it. 
So uh, I guess until next time, good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. And uh, as always, please get more from your games. They don't advertise for killers in the newspaper. That's why that was my profession. Ex-cop, ex-blade runner, ex-killer. All right. Oh, yeah.